Today we, on this the sixth Sunday of St. Luke, we heard a gospel reading that is one that is a bit difficult to hear at times, especially in a world where we seem to suppress things that are in the Bible, things like discussing death or demons, although we have found a way to make Halloween a very comfortable and popular holiday. You'd think that a gospel reading about demons would not be so uncomfortable. And yet today we hear about a man who was demon-possessed. He was well-known to the community. It was like that for many years. You can tell that it was a scary scene. He was violent. He was shackled, foaming at the mouth. People would not go near him out of fear. And he has this encounter. Many times we speak about our need for an encounter with Christ. It happens in different ways for all of us at different times, for diff under different circumstances. But I truly believe that every one of us has an encounter with Christ. This man has the encounter with Christ. There were many demons, it says, inside of him. And something interesting happens. He knows who Jesus is. The demons of course, know who Christ is, who God is. In fact, he calls him out by name, and he asks, the demons ask for Christ to be merciful to him, to them, and says, don't just throw us out into the abyss, but let us go into the herd of pigs, at least. And Christ exercises the demons, he commands them out, and they go into the herd of swine, the herd of pigs, and immediately they rush down the side of the cliff to their death, the pigs. The man who was possessed is no longer possessed for the first time in many years. The herdsmen, the people who were watching the pigs, ran back to the village and told the villagers what had taken place. And the villagers come back, and as we know by either hearing the gospel or reading it, what did they ask from Christ? They said, go away. They were worried about the pigs having died. They were a bit confused, perhaps a little afraid. But the point is that when we have opportunities to have an encounter with Christ, we better not miss him because we don't know if it'll happen again. They came back and it specifically says they saw the demon-possessed man, that he was dressed for the first time in years, and he was no longer ill, no longer possessed. He was normal. But they were not happy, like us, after having an encounter with Christ, they were distracted. We talk about this a lot. We come to the Divine Liturgy where a miracle happens. You know the church 
even if there was just two or three of us, the church is never empty. The church is full of saints and angels. The Holy Spirit enters the building. We pray for the bread and wine to become Christ himself. All of these miracles are happening before our eyes. Christ is present in the middle of the church and we are distracted. We're distracted because mostly, to be honest, because of our ego. We're distracted because so-and-so is sitting where I normally sit or I don't like the way so-and-so is dressed or why is her purse nicer than mine or why did he park out on the line outside? These are distractions. And we are in, in danger of missing the miracle, the encounter. It's as if the miracle happens before us and we tell Christ, as the villagers did, now you should go. We have this beautiful opportunity to be present wholly present and to witness a miracle and not only to witness a miracle but to have the miracle change our lives and not so that we can be happy not so that we can live along into our elderly age but so that when God decides that it's our time to leave this world that we can have the gift of paradise that we can have salvation that we can be united with him. This is why we do everything we do. Baptisms are a miracle. Weddings are a miracle. I wonder, when we have a wedding and we are present in the pews, the prayers ask for Christ himself to stand in front of the bride and groom and to join them together so that the two may become one flesh. That's the miracle of the, of the marriage, of the wedding. This is a miracle, the two become one. They're no longer two separate people. And Christ joins them together. And at the end of the service, there's a prayer as the priest separates the bride and groom. The prayer is, now those whom God has united, let no one separate. And I wonder if people understood that Christ stood before them and joined them together and made the two perfectly one, who would get divorced? Who wouldn't give everything to make their marriage work? This is not a criticism of anyone who is divorced. It's a criticism of all of us, the priests especially, for not making sure that the people standing in front of the altar understood what was happening. They didn't understand that they were part of a miracle. We don't understand that there are miracles happening around us. And we are in danger of being like the villagers in the gospel today, of telling Christ, you should go now. May we have encounters, plenty of them in our life with Christ. May we witness miracles. May we give glory to God for the miracles. And may we invite him to stay with us so that the rest of our life, as long as he allows us to live, may be blessed and joyous and peaceful. Last weekend, we had this beautiful event here at the church, the consecration of the church. And in case you weren't there, 
I'm going to grab a tool here. Hold on. It's hard to see, but you, you'll see it easiest when you go out that there's holy chrism on different walls of the church where the Metropolitan drew the Greek letter he, the X in English, and the English letter P, hero, which is a symbol of Christ. And it is a reminder to all of us that this building now belongs to him forever. There are relics of saints in the holy altar table. The church has been marked out as holy space, sacred space. Not that it was no big deal before. There were sacraments happening here. There were divine liturgies. The saints were present, as we said. But now it's official. This place can never, ever be anything but an Orthodox church. We are reminded of the presence of the saints in the altar, of the presence of the myrrh, the chrism along the walls. And we are blessed, very, very blessed, to be inheritors of the work of those before us. And today, although I decided we're not going to give them out today, but this is part of the project. You see this children's book? It's about this church. And it's an opportunity to give our children something, not only to inspire them, but to help them understand what has happened here for 100 years. How beautiful it is that people sacrificed to ensure that we, when we were born, had a place to worship, a place to go to. And in Chicago, we're blessed to have many, many Orthodox churches, perhaps many than, more than any other city in, in the country, when we put all the Orthodox together, the Serbians and the Romanians and the Albanians and the Bulgarians and the Antiochians and the Greeks. We have this beautiful blessing of having churches all around us. And we think back to the people that first came. There are stories of people that are in this church today who remember as children taking two, three buses to come to church on Sunday, in the snow, in the rain. And we get in our cars and we drive 15, 20, 30 minutes, some of us maybe a little more, and we say, boy, it's hard. It's hard to get up and go to church on Sundays. And we think of the yayaves with three, four kids by themselves because their husbands were working. Bus, and then another bus, and then walk. And we hope that we can be inspired by our parents, our grandparents, but mostly by Christ and the saints. Well, you'll get more information about George and George's adventure and the history of St. George. And there's many other things that we'll be um, doing to commemorate the 100 years still, and also the consecration, which gives us the opportunity to be part of this special, sacred, holy place.